I'm Commander Shepard, and Geek Rex is my favorite website on the Citadel. Good morning, campers. This is episode 31 of the Geek Rex podcast, and I am Kyle. Uh, this week, our team is back together. It is me, Shane, and Harper, and we are talking movie news, and boy, there's a lot of it, including the Wonder Woman casting, the Amazing Spider-Man 2 trailer, and the news that fell across our laps this past afternoon on uh, the new X-Men sequel. So we chat about all of that, including uh, this week's comics and the stuff we're looking forward to next week. Speaking of which, be on the lookout in the next couple of weeks. We've got some special episodes that are coming up, including our Superlatives of the Year for comics and an Oscar podcast that will have a wonderful special guest. You can find all of our thoughts and opinions on all things geek at geekrex.com. Follow us on Twitter at geek underscore rex and like us on Facebook. Enjoy episode 31. How many weeks? Like three? <laughs> sounds about right. Since a regular show. <laughs> but we're back. Hooray. Harper, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Shane, how are you? I'm a lot better now that a lot of my obligations with school are out of the way with uh, the play being done and things like that. How'd that play go, by the way? Uh, it, it went well. It's just we didn't have a huge turnout is the problem. Oh, like audience turnout? Yeah. Uh, it's, it, which play did you do? Uh, it's this play called Greater Tuna. It's written for uh, two men to perform, but we had a cast of about 12 perform it. Oh, okay, so all the kids had like different parts that uh, yeah. they took on. So that's 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 great. Wait, so is it is it like a play that has like sets and stuff or? Um, nothing major. It wasn't too bad. Right on. And it, was this for like a drama class? Yeah, uh, there, we have a theater department, and I just helped out with lights and sound. Oh, that's awesome. Well, that's, that sounds like fun. Is that something you're going to do regularly at the school? Yeah, pretty much. Nice, nice. Well, I, Shakespeare's got to come around at some point, right? I would love it for love it to, but I kind of doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know we're doing Footloose next. Oh, well, that's, that's, that is a standard of, uh, of high school. <laughs> you know, it's like Footloose, Grease. Sometimes they do yeah. a little shop of horrors, though. That, I would love to do that. <laughs> Sometimes they do it. It's got to you got to have a school that can afford the uh, the big plant. Right. <laughs> um, I knew a school once that actually rented the one of the movie props from nice. the, the actual movie, which was pretty pretty awesome. Apparently, there's a warehouse where you can just do that. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, it's been a been a crazy few weeks. I mean, so much news has popped out uh, to sort of cover, and a lot of movies have come out. And, you know, Shane, I got to say, before I get into any of the big news stuff, you know, I had never seen any of these Hunger Games movies before. Oh, that's right. I'd never I think I remember you telling me that. Any of them. And Hannah and I were sitting... We say that like there's like six of them. There's only, <laughs> there's only one. <laughs> I recognize. I recognize. You're right. I, but I, I had never read the books, didn't know anything about them. But, you know, I know a lot of people ha- that have read the books... Uh, of all genders and all age mm-hmm. ranges, my mom likes the books. Uh, my my friend Chris likes the books. 
and our, our friend Jason. I mean, all, all you know, just a whole swath of demographics here. Mm-hmm. So I thought to myself, well, I should see this movie at least. So I watched it on Netflix. Um, didn't hate it, didn't love it. Okay. It was kind of in the middle for me. I, I enjoyed the okay. world building of that movie, mm-hmm. but I did not necessarily love the um, battle scenes uh, really? towards the second half of the first Hunger Games movie. And with the second one, it's really weird. I went and saw it in the theater a couple like a couple days after it debuted so I could fight less of a crowd. And, I, man, it was like the reverse. <laughs> like, the world building was, like, less interesting to me, whereas the fighting in the arena and the jungle mm-hmm. and stuff was, like, way fascinating. I felt like I was watching Predator or something. <laughs> um, I don't know. Did, did, did you feel something similar, or do you just like those movies all the way through? Um, first Hunger Games movie I enjoy. Like, it's pretty much, so far I've felt about the movies the exact same way I feel about the books. And that's probably because they're very, very accurate adaptations of the source material. Um, the first one, I, I like it. I'm just not, like, overzealous about my enjoyment of it. It's just, it's it's a good, it's a good flick. Um, although I do feel like the way the first one was shot is very disorienting. And that was fortunately fixed with this movie since they got a new director and um catching fire is actually my favorite of the books and i think it's actually my favorite of the films thus far i think except for a small subplot they cut out from the book it's exactly like the book um i don't know i kind of like both the world building and the uh the fights in this one i think the i definitely agree the arena is so much more interesting in catching fire than it ever was in the first one like the first one you get this whole concept built up of oh the Hunger Games the Hunger Games and then you get to it and what's there isn't really as exciting as what you were built up towards but I feel like with Catching Fire you finally get a sense of the potential for these games finally yeah with that arena this really creative arena yeah and then um in terms of the world building I just love how it kind of takes this intimate story that we have in the first one and we get a little bit of world building with the idea of the games but it's very much so an intimate story. And this one, through film, and it does something that the books really couldn't do, because the books are all from Katniss's point of view, and so the film in Catching Fire really does take that world and expands upon it and shows really the effects that first film had. And I think that's what I appreciate about it, is that it tried to look beyond the first film and not just keep things from one point of view. Sure. I, I, and you're right. Believe me, I thought the second film was you know, head and shoulders above the first film for a number of reasons. But I... I especially really liked that concept of the clock uh, mm-hmm. in the jungle. I thought that was really cool and creative. Yeah. And I liked the side cast a lot. Like, I mm-hmm. thought the other competitors were really interesting, and they all had, like, their own right. little weird quirks. I wish I actually got to know them a little more, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty much how people react when they read the books too. So that shows you how close of an adaptation they are. That's, that's interesting. Um, like I, I love the idea that there were people that won the games, not yeah. brute force, you know, through like hiding yeah. the whole time <laughs> or through like, you know, me, you know, science, you know, and, and yeah. electrocuting them to death and stuff. And I, um, I, I was a bit, I was a big fan of just how diverse that group was. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I think the problem for me in these movies is that I, I don't know if Katniss is that interesting. I feel like the, um, and a lot of that... See, I would say Katniss is interesting, but PETA is not. Okay, yeah, maybe that's a fairer <laughs> point. Maybe the the idea that, um, 
the 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 blocks of wood that she's uh, <laughs> romantically entangled with. Neither of these guys, Thor Jr. or Peta, are particularly uh, interesting at all. And there's like no chemistry between any of these people. I right. like I just I, I don't feel it. And Jennifer Lawrence is a fabulous actress. I was about to say she's she's leagues ahead of any of her fellow age actors in the movie. <laughs> Matter of fact, they make her look like she's overacting. Um, yeah. They're so bad, it, it almost looks like she's overdoing it to compensate. Yeah, pretty much the only time she's not is with if she's with Woody Harrelson or if she's with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Right, right. By the way, I thought Philip Seymour Hoffman slept, just sleptwalked through that role. A uh, little bit. It was, he, was, he was barely fucking trying. But, I mean, I, I had a good time. I wasn't bored at any point other than like some of the slower bits Mm-hmm. in the beginning but once the action right. kicked in i was like this is great man i, I wish the more of the movie was like this right. um and maybe there was um structured a little differently i'll say that uh the idea with this third book being split into two movies is a fucking terrible idea sounds like it. because um the third book is exactly the same length page number wise as the first two so they gain nothing by extending it to two films it's not like the seventh harry potter where extending it you were able to adapt it more closely it's like you could adapt it closely and make one movie with it i got so um i gotta say shane i hated that first seventh harry potter though that first part oh of, i love it oh, it's awful. what's that part one is awful nothing no, happens it's at great. all <laughs> there we go harper <laughs> i neither of you read the books did you no of course not. hell no that's why <laughs> I, I, I will say I enjoyed them slow dancing to Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, uh, which was a big thrill for me. Anytime Nick Cave shows up on screen, I, I, I get some chub. But um, <laughs> uh, but I, I'm with Harper on that one, man. And that's why I don't really like seeing these final books expanded into two movies. It's sort of like how The Hobbit's three fucking movies, man. Right. It's just it's like you're stretching out like this this thing like turkey meat uh, across you know a set of leftovers, and I don't know. Hannah's read the last book because she wanted to find out what happened. So it was like it was one of these cases of she saw the first two movies and then she's like, well, I just want to read this book. And she was telling me that she definitely thinks it has more story than one movie, but she's not sure that it has enough story for two movies. Do you think that's accurate, Shane? I I agree. Okay. Yeah. So (laughs) I don't know how that – maybe they could have just had like an extra long movie. I mean (laughs) and made – I don't know. It's – uh, it, it it'll be it'll be rough. I'll definitely see part one because I think the first half of that third book is really good. Okay. Uh, the second half of that book completely falls apart. I cannot stand the third book, to be quite honest. Oh, that's what I keep hearing from everybody. Hey, did you, your wife hasn't read those, has she, Harper? No, neither of us have. Okay, I didn't know. Uh, I, I wasn't sure. You always figure sometimes <laughs> the girls dig into it, but um, I you know, I appreciate the fact though that that movie has been so successful. Uh, yeah. Especially for a female led franchise, mm-hmm. that's really cool. And it isn't all just book popularity that's bringing people into the theaters because I know that not everybody has read that series. So that's that, that that's something to be proud of, I think, and hopefully that bodes well for uh, some of the news that we have to talk about today. So we're going to dig right into that. A lot of movie news, a lot of, a uh, little bit of comics news, not so much TV news, but the movie stuff this week especially has just been choking us, hasn't it, guys? It's huge. A lot of stuff. Yeah, crazy ridiculous. Okay, so since we were talking about female-led stuff, um, let's talk about this Wonder Woman news. So 
there had been rumors about the female love interest within uh, the Batman, Superman, whatever the hell it's called, Man of Steel sequel that we still don't have a name for, and more on that in a second. But there had been rumors about that the character was either going to be Bruce Wayne's love interest or Wonder Woman, this female companion character, whatever the heck, subplot character. Um, and Olga Kurilenko, Gal Gadot, and uh, one of the actresses from G.I. Joe, I can't remember her name right now, uh, they were all auditioning to potentially play this character. Well, we found out yesterday officially that Gal Gadot, who was cast in this role, will be playing Wonder Woman slash Diana Prince in this uh, sequel to Man of Steel. So the question I pose, and I'll start with Harper first since uh, he's been kind of quiet. Uh, the do you, do you think this is overstuffing the movie a bit, or do you think this is a very exciting development? What's your take on it so far? Well, first off, the the fanboy in me can't help but be super excited about it. But looking at it a little more deeply, it's really hard to say. Um, it really depends on what the movie's about. Just even even getting this. The smallest bit of plot would would you know make me feel a little bit safer about it, uh, but I, I think I've said in the past I think it's really exciting to try and include more of the DC universe in general because that's one of the reasons I think the Marvel movies are so successful is they just throw stuff in left and right, um, which is exciting for fans and you know doesn't really hurt for for people who aren't necessarily. Um, so to have to have Wonder Woman in the movie is is really exciting, but. Mostly, it's exciting because she's never been in a movie, um, and we haven't really had a, a female superhero outside of you know Black Widow, which hardly counts. Um, so to see that come, you know, come up as big news is just really exciting to me in general. Shane, what's your take? Um, I don't really have one either. I'm, I kind of agree with Harper. I'm just kind of waiting and seeing because I have no idea. Like they made, they were such a in such a rush to make sure we know that Wonder Woman's going to be in this movie, and I'm just like, I don't even know if she's going to play a big role. So, I, I just I want to wait and see. Um, I'm glad we're finally getting Wonder Woman in a movie. Um, I have no idea how this woman is as an actress, but um, I don't know. I'm kind of just neutral right now. Yeah, um, I'm. I, I feel pretty good about it in general. Like, it, it's there's so many question marks. You know, yeah. we don't even know what this thing is called. We don't know what the plot's about, and it, 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 there's a weird like sort of reactionary feel to this whole thing. Where I think that it felt like there was a ton of criticism coming out online, where they said, you know, hey, why are we getting uh, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy before we even get Wonder Woman. Why are we getting uh, blah, blah, blah characters? Pretty much anything. Wonder Woman, yeah. And I feel like they finally said, oh, damn it, let's just put Wonder Woman in this movie. <laughs> I don't know, though. Maybe in that's... addition to Nightwing. Right. Well, again, that that hasn't even been announced yet, so that's still a rumor, I guess. But Wonder Woman's official, and there were quotes from Zack Snyder and everything. It seems like that's a quite a big push if the character is not playing a significant role in the film. So I guess it just becomes a question of how much time is split between the characters, and is that the way to do justice to a character like Wonder Woman, who's never been in a movie before? Uh, we, we're, we're well familiar with Batman, okay? So it's not like Batman needs another solo movie. Um, and Superman's already had one. 
will most of the plot be spent around Wonder Woman's uh, origin? I mean, it's a pretty... I don't know that she's going to play a huge role, <laughs> to be quite honest. Maybe not. I mean, but it's a very complex story to to condense to just a third of the movie or less. That, that's why I think she won't play a huge role just enough to get people intrigued, and that's when you give her her own movie. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of agree. I just hope it doesn't end up being, you know, throwing her at the end of the credits where she walks in and says, you know, hello, boys. I don't know that they make such a big a deal about her being cast if that was just going to be a post-credits scene role, though. I agree. Right. Yeah. There wouldn't be this full court press that there was yesterday. I mean, that's... I mean, this was like a big variety announcement, so... Yeah. No, I'm mostly kidding. (laughs) Oh, no, no, I agree. I agree. But I I do want to see the character done justice because I'm a big fan. Sure, I just too. hope, yeah, I think if she does, if she tests well with audiences and there seems to be a very positive or generally positive reaction towards her, and if the movie makes a lot of money, which it will, um, they'll, I, I think they'll give her her own movie. They'll realize, okay, well, we can do that. And uh, preferably one that's based on the new 52. Yeah, for sure. I, I agree. I, no clay, okay? <laughs> no, no damn. Well, not even that. It's like, I just want to see her interacting with Greek gods instead of human beings. Well, that was always my favorite concept about Man of Steel was this idea that, hey, how would we react if we found out aliens were real? <laughs> you know, this invasion uh, philosophy around... No, I love that. Gods are real. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, and then we have this guy in a bat suit. Right, right. I mean, that's that, that's all interesting to me. I mean, that's and and it's this idea that Brian Azzarello, when he revamped Wonder Woman as a part of the New Fifty Two, it was creating a new trinity. And instead of being you know Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman, it's the alien, the god, and the human. And yeah. I love that. I think that's that's a really good way to sell the concept of a of a trinity of heroes. There's no way in hell they're calling this movie Trinity, by the way, um, unless you want to see religious picketers outside of you know theaters here in Georgia. Uh, that that will never pass muster. Just like calling yeah. the movie World's Finest, you know, a week ago when we thought it was just Batman and Superman won't fly either because that title means nothing to anybody. But I like the casting of this actress. I don't know who she is, really. I've never seen the Fast and Furious movies. Nope. But I, I like the fact that they cast someone who's not traditionally Anglo. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, someone who... Because you know, Wonder Woman comes from a Greek isle, basically. So she really shouldn't look lily white, especially, you know, she's someone that's... You know, that's that's of the, any sort of descendant that looks Mediterranean. So casting an Israeli actress is fairly close er to that that I guess ethnic realm, and I think that's pretty exciting. I mean, I I would have been excited if they had cast an African American actress. Honestly, I would have been more excited than that than a standard white woman. Um, and so I think that is a really cool sign of where they might be going. And, and there's an interesting thing too because. Uh, I saw a rumor posted today that there would be some sort of the Justice League would be like this United Nations of characters, and they might be going for a Hispanic actor to play the Flash. Hmm. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I, you know, depending on how the story's done, I mean, is it, would it still be Barry Allen? Would it be Wally West? I mean, how how would that so work? Does that mean Green Lantern would be even human then? Well, Green Lantern would probably be black, is my guess. John Stewart. Yes, sir. I mean, I think that's the I think that's the thing everybody wants to see, and I think Warner Brothers knows it. <laughs> you saw that Idris Elba, you know, mock up that got passed around. So, uh, yeah. then my question would be: Is Aquaman still? 
part of it, or would Shazam replace him like they're doing in the animated movie? Good question. Don't know. It seems like it's too many characters to sort of, you know, delve into beyond the main five at this point. But if Shazam showed up, I wouldn't complain. Um, nope. Maybe not in this movie, though, because holy crap. I mean, I feel like three heroes is enough, don't you? For, for a non-team-up movie, yes. For, for a Man of Steel movie, <laughs> definitely. I, yeah, I, I agree. It's 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 um, it, it's very clear to me at this point that Warner Brothers is not doing the Marvel strategy of solo solo movies that lead into a team up. It sounds like they're just doing one franchise of DC movies uh, with some supplements that we'll talk about here in a second. But it sounds like they want one big tentpole movie every couple of years, and that's it. That's okay, I guess. It depends on what you like. I mean, does the idea of multiple Marvel movies every year excite you, or does the idea of just, let me just get the big thing out of the way right away more interesting to you? Uh, what do you think, Harper? I'd much rather have have that, the, the DC plan that we're talking about. Because um, I think we'd get, we can get much more interesting, uh, not necessarily bigger budget necessarily, but um, you know, bring in some more interesting directors and more individual visions than having constantly all these solo movies that are all more or less indistinguishable because they're all leading up towards the same thing. Sure. What about you, Shane? I'm fine with either, but I, I kind of tend to prefer Marvel's approach. Like I, I'm fine with DC's approach because I mean, yeah, there, you don't have to worry about people getting uh, tired of it, but at the same time, it being so slow to release, you have people who there's the danger of maybe people being less excited because it's not coming next year, it's coming three years from now. Sure. Um, but I, I'm fine with it. I'm glad DC found a different approach, because I think it would be annoying if we had two Marvel movies a year, two DC movies a year, and things like that. I think that would get old for everyone, myself included, even though I think I'm one of the last people still kind of championing this Marvel phase thing, because that seems to be something that's grinding everybody's gears at the moment it's getting to me a little bit i have to be honest it's 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 exhausting the idea that we're seeing the same characters and the same movies in its own way and i know i i've I've disparaged it a bit i'm a little excited for guardians of the galaxy because it's all new people (laughs) it's just completely something totally different which is actually right now I, i really welcome because, uh, God, if I have to see Chris Hemsworth as Thor again, I'm going to scream, at least anytime soon. Uh, hopefully, I'll, I'll get to w- hopefully, I'll be able to wait till Avengers Age of Ultron. But um, I, you know, we don't know if this is DC's plan yet. I mean, this is just assumptions from people, and fairly smart people, uh, sort of taking guesses at what DC and Marvel or Warner Brothers is doing. And... I don't know. It's it it's it's definitely a way to keep interest afloat. Um, is it the best way to do justice to their characters? Probably. I mean, do once we get past the origin stories and you have the big team up. At least for me personally, it's hard for me to get ex- more excited about the additional solo stories um, because I feel like once you ratchet up to the epic scope of the Avengers or the epic scope of the Justice League. You know, it, it, it's hard to feel like a, it's almost like a letdown in terms of expectations for going back to, well, let's go fight Malekith and Asgard, you know, and just Thor and all these questions of, well, where the hell is the rest of the Avengers? And it, this is, it might be a good way to sort of sidestep those questions, maybe. But who knows? DC's kind of flying by the seat of their pants here. Speaking of which, a number of titles 
were potentially registered for this Man of Steel movie. And I, I know some y- y'all may have seen these. Uh, Shane, <laughs> you may have missed this, but I'm going to read off a few of them. And these are the things that were registered. Doesn't mean they're going to become titles. They could just be misdirects. They could be names of video games or other properties. Who knows? But what they did register were the following: Man of Steel, Battle the Night, Man of Steel, Knight, Battle Knight. Yes, <laughs> Man of Steel Beyond Darkness. Man of Steel, Black of Knight. <laughs> Man of Steel, Darkness Falls. Man of Steel, Night Knight Falls. Man of Steel, Shadow of the Night. Man of Steel, The Blackest Hour. Um, and Man of Steel, The Darkness Within. So these all basically sound like fucking Star Trek titles right now. I have the- Man, this makes Batman versus Superman sound so much better right now. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think they're all terrible. <laughs> I, Batman versus Superman sucks hard. Man of Steel no, 2 does, is now looking I, like the best are- title ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, these are all terrible. I know. And I, I, was, I was really uh, surprised at how bad some of these titles are. But I'm really hoping that they've all been registered just to draw our attention away from whatever the real title will be. Um, I'm, I like the idea of Man of Steel being in the title name or just jumping over to Superman because I feel like this is still like basically a Superman movie, probably. I hope so. I hope, yeah, me too. But um, I don't know. I mean, hell, but before this Wonder Woman news was announced, I was thinking, oh, why don't they just call it uh, Man of Steel Dark Knight? Awesome. Perfect. Let's just do that. Uh, since it's a dual movie, uh, put a colon in between them makes this makes perfect sense. Um, now I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure what's gonna happen. Uh, there may be maybe there's gonna be a Justice League kind of thing going on with Man of Steel. I don't know, but uh, yeah, bad titles so far. Hopefully these things will improve. Um, additionally, there's been some. Extra DC news, and then we'll skip over to the Marvel stuff. But there's been a little bit of news and rumors. Bleeding Cool reported that a few weeks ago they had reported that David Goyer was most likely the guy who is their version of Kevin Feige over at DC Entertainment. Sort of the producer that's running things. Uh, Again, just sort of a rumor that if anyone was going to do a DC movie, they've got to go through David Goyer first and work with him on the production side. So... They also then ran a rumor earlier this week, pre-Wonder Woman hoopla, that there would be a number of potentially low-budget DC films produced side-by-side with the tentpole movies. So the tentpole movies are movies like Man of Steel and whatever this Man of Steel sequel is going to be called and then whatever is in the future of this franchise that's like $150, $200 million films. They'd be supplemented each year by a $40 million film. And some of the possible titles that had been presented were movies like Team 7, Suicide Squad, uh, Booster Gold, and a number of other lesser-known properties that could flesh out the DC Universe side of things. Uh, Shane, what, what do you think about that idea? Um, I'm completely fine with it. I think it's... Uh, it'll be interesting. It's kind of just more of a... <laughs> I don't know, I hate to be so neutral this week instead of being having a firm opinion on something, but uh, um, I think it'll be interesting. To It's an interesting approach, and I think um, 
I'm just want to wait and see what talent's behind it, I guess, before I say anything. How about you, Harper? Um, yeah, that's a very good point about seeing who the kind of people that are involved. But I have to say that's that's a really exciting prospect for me because um, I there's DC has a lot of these kind of lesser properties that could be really done some pretty good justice in, in movie form, I think. And and the low budget idea is kind of interesting to have these extra movies that just sort of you know build up the universe a little bit. Um, and I I had read a long time ago about a Suicide Squad. Uh, uh, story idea for a movie that sounded like so much fun and uh, that they could do really, really well. And do, doing something like that episode of uh, Justice League Unlimited where they infiltrate the Task Force Task Force X episode where they infiltrate the Watchtower. I mean, doing stuff like that could be so interesting in in the guise of a, of a DC superhero movie. Um, you know, what's funny is that uh, that episode you're, you're citing, that was written by Darwin Cook. Which is yeah. really awesome. Um, it's, yeah, it's a great episode. It made me love Deadshot actually, which Arrow <laughs> is quickly making me not love him. But um, I, you, you know, it's funny. Game of Thrones. Its pilot was filmed for about ten million dollars or a little less, somewhere between five and ten. And its pilot is fabulous looking. I don't know if you guys have ever tried to watch that show before. But it's 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 pretty lovely. Most HBO shows spend millions of dollars on their episodes. And I feel like that is still almost theater quality stuff generally. So for 40 million, if you get the right person behind the camera as Shane intimated, I think you're looking at probably a pretty good film. I mean, I I've, I've always begrudged this idea that blockbusters need to be 150 million dollar spectacles because unfortunately they spend every bit of it and the movies are filled with CGI and it becomes like this action nightmare. So it would be neat to see fun side stories like Harper's talking about, like the idea of infiltrating the watchtower, you know, and uh, what, whatever, uh, whatever team seven does, I guess we'd see grifter <laughs> on the screen for the first time, uh, whatever doing black ops missions, booster gold traveling in time. You know, that's, that's really, that's really neat. Um, you know, it, it's just there's a fine line between having someone skilled enough to do a Game of Thrones HBO style thing and doing an episode of Arrow. So you could spend forty million dollars make it look like doo doo if you've got the wrong guy behind the camera and the wrong gaffer lighting things, the wrong cinematographer as your DP, um, and the wrong actors in leads. Um, so it could be one or one way or the other. It could look cheap or it could potentially have a lot of creative freedom around it too, because it's less of an investment for the studio. Sure. What if Jonah Hex was the first attempt at that? <laughs> oh, well it, a redo on Jonah Hex, you mean? <laughs> no, I mean that the original Jonah Hex movie, that was their first step towards these low budget, uh, additions. Well, how much did Jonah Hex cost? Hold on. I, know you're joking, <laughs> I don't know. But now I want to know, Holy shit. I'm going to research this. Um, I know that movie, cost me my soul so that's there's that um yeah god i mean i'd love to see a good jonah hex movie no, right yeah. especially around sort of like what uh, jimmy palmiotti's doing right now with the character i think i mean that's a tremendous run and holy shit <laughs> harper i have bad news uh, jonah <laughs> hex's production budget was 47 million dollars wow I hope that doesn't mean uh, ill tidings for these $40 million Warner Brothers movies. <laughs> um, something to be worried about now. All of a sudden, my all my optimism is out the window. 
So anyway, well, we'll, we'll, we'll sort of wait and see if anything actually materializes. At this point, it's all rumor. All right, so Marvel. Let's kind of dig into that. Uh, first things first, Spider-Man's trailer debuted today, guys. Did you all watch it? Several times. <laughs> Several times. Okay, Harper, did you watch it? I did. All right, so uh, Shane, I know you're a bigger Spider-Man guy than I. So what what what'd you think? Loved it. I'm so excited. Are you? I, can't wait. I know there's the complaint, and I think it's a legitimate complaint that there is a lot of CGI in that trailer. But at the same time, it's like, well, you got Rhino, who you're doing as a robot suit, which I think works a lot better than an idiot in a Rhino costume. And you're doing Electro, who is naturally going to need a lot of CGI. And it looks like Green Goblin's making his way, his way in here, too. Um, I will say I'm disappointed that it looks like Green Goblin is going to be done the exact same way he was done in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films. But I I just love how many small little details Mark Webb has put in there. And i got to say, the best moment in the trailer for me, aside from finally getting to see Dane DeHaan do something in this movie, because I feel like everything's been focused on everyone else and not him, um, is uh, seeing Doc Ock's claws show up. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, the uh, the tentacles and stuff. Uh, what did you think, Harper? Uh, not not particularly excited. Um, although I will say the thing I liked the most about the first movie was just how I thought it looked beautiful, and it was the the color in particular. And it's a weird thing to praise about a movie, but <laughs> uh, the color in that movie was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, just stands out, pops like like nothing I've really ever seen before. And the, the like trailer a comic for this, book. <laughs> yeah. Um, the trailer for for the second one has definitely kept that, but um, I don't know. I'm just I'm not all that thrilled about Rhino or Electro. Definitely not thrilled about Green Goblin showing up, and um, I'm I'm blanking on the guy's name, but the the kid that's playing um, uh, Harry Osborn, I can't. Oh, that that is him. Okay, I can't stand him. He drives me crazy. Um, so I don't know. Not all that excited about it. I'm I'm kind of between you both here. Um, to for the record, like I'm not really all that excited about a sequel to the Amazing Spider-Man, which I think is the biggest hurdle for me to sort of climb because I didn't like that movie very much. Um, on the other hand, the trailer made me a little more interested, though I've got some reservations. Um, I thought it was interesting that we didn't see much Electro in the trailer actually, except at the end. Yeah. Uh, and I thought he was actually the prime antagonist. So have things changed to the point where Harry Osborn is the main guy now? Uh, the latest plot synopsis still implies Electro's the uh, main antagonist. Okay, because we did. We got so little of him, it seemed interesting that he was sort of uh, minimized. Yeah, th- th- there's there's no subtlety at all. To, uh, there's going to be no uh, blurring the lines if Harry Osborn's good or bad. It seemed to pretty much imply, okay, this guy's a bad guy. Yeah, and that poster that was released earlier this week, uh, mm-hmm. over the weekend... That that also sort of, uh, sh- I mean, it showed him in full goblin gear, looking like Billy Idol or something with that. Mm, looks exactly <laughs> like Sam Raimi's goblin, which I think I was most disappointed in. I was like, okay, I know that mask is goofy, but can we at least try? I know. I I, I don't know why they don't make them look like the comic goblin face. Exactly. I mean, it's it's a pretty creepy look. That's pretty terrifying if you see that coming at you at like 50 miles an hour. So I mean, there's got to be a way that they could have done that. I mean, I've seen makeup tests when they were trying to do mm-hmm. something based around Alex Ross's designs for the first movie. Oh, it was creepy. It looked amazing. I don't know why they didn't do that. They went for the Power Ranger mask in the first movie. Yeah. And this one, I, I don't know. I, it looks like 
looks like the Han's face is sort of being turned into the goblin mask a little bit. Maybe, yeah, because you don't really see too much because they, they're still. It seems like they're still trying to hide who is that. Yeah, and it's very obvious who it is. Uh, yeah, it's not the mystery's not very good, but. But I guess that is better than J.J. Abrams' mystery box. So. Yeah, it's true. They're, they're, <laughs> he's not con. <laughs> um, but I, I'm not crazy about tracksuit rhino at this point uh, or mecha rhino. I like it because this this uh, this film series is so rooted in the Ultimate Universe. Um, Peter looks like the Ultimate Universe. Um, Lizard, I mean, Lizard's going to look like Lizard no matter which comic book you adapt. Um, Electra looks like the Ultimate Universe, and Rhino looks like the Ultimate Universe, so I'm fine with it. Is, is, is he a mech suit in the Ultimate Universe? I forget. He is, okay. yeah. Um, so I guess that's... I'd still say a mech suit's better than... As much as it looks like Transformers, a mech suit's better than an idiot in a Rhino costume. <laughs> you know what, though? I bet that would be very hard to translate to screen anyway. Like, I mean, look at what Electro looks like in 616. I mean, that would never work on screen. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Um, I also am not a big Jamie Foxx fan, so... What? I'm not. Like, I don't think he's a terribly good actor, and I know I'm going to get catch some shit for that, but... Um, yeah, like Django, he was fine in. I don't even like him in Ray that much, to be honest. So it's it, him. He doesn't impress me too much, and I feel like he might have been the wrong choice for this role, um, just as an actor. Uh, believe me, I don't care about type, okay? Right. But as an actor, I just I feel like he might not have like the malevolent presence of an Electro. You know what I mean? It's just well, they they make it very obvious he's working for Oscorp, so. Yeah. I think the malevolent presence is Norman Osborn. Maybe so. Maybe so. Um, I, I guess we'll learn more as the movie kind of track trugs along. I will say, I caught that, that glimpse of Shailene Woodley in the film as well. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't see that. Yeah, they, they show at least show the back of her head at a certain point, which I hope... <laughs> no, I, I was just too distracted after I saw Doc Hart's tentacles. I was just over the moon once I saw that. It, I mean, they made it sound like she was cut completely out of the movie, but maybe there are some surprises left. I mean, maybe there, there's some misdirection here, and that would be nice because I always welcome Shailene Woodley's presence um, in any film. I do now. <laughs> I'm a huge fan, huge fan. Uh, and plus, I mean, there's something she has coming out based on a young adult book that did not look very good. Oh, we talking, talking about the spectacular now? No, Divergent. Oh, Divergent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw that preview with Catching Fire, and I was like, "Oh, Shailene Woodley, why?" <laughs> yeah, that's um, it, that there was a number of bad trailers in front of Hunger Games, actually, and that was one of them. Um, nothing's worse than I Frankenstein, though. Oh <laughs> God, no! <laughs> Except for maybe Van Helsing. <laughs> Um, it's pretty damn close, man. <laughs> They're pretty similar. The difference, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so Spider-Man, you know, again, jury's still out on where this is going. I know that there's been criticism of that it looks like a video game. Um, but then there's other folks that are very excited. My friend Sean O'Connell, big time critic, loves it. So I'm, I'm hoping his, his and Shane's excitement for this thing will rub off on me before the movie comes out. And I'll I'd be more I'd be more pleased if my excitement for Guardians of the Galaxy rubs off on you. I mean, there's a potential. I mean, hell, <laughs> it's it's it's. Uh, I'm already so exhausted of these superhero movies, especially the ones that are sequels. That I feel like anything new might be exciting to me at this point. Um, anyway, that's uh, that's Spider-Man. So let's talk about the news that tried to uh, to one up it today. <laughs> which I, I thought was mad foul, by the way. Um, Brian Singer tweeted out... Field. Yeah, out of left field, right. 
Brian Singer tweeted out that X-Men will be having a sequel post Days of Future Past in 2016, and the title is X-Men Apocalypse. So, and 20th Century Fox confirmed it. It will be coming out in May of 2016. Harper, what do you think about X-Men Apocalypse? I have no idea what to think. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I like that character, but the version of it that I like, they would never adapt. They're never going to do Uncanny. Series? No, Uncanny X-Force. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're never going to do that. You mean Little, so. little Kid Apocalypse? Yeah, All right. love that. Yeah, me too. They're never going to do that. <laughs> sure, that's that's the only time I ever actually liked that character. <laughs> yeah. Hart, uh, Shane, I know you feel differently, though. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. I can't wait. Um, although I will say I think every single press outlet that's carrying this news and picking up this news is jumping the gun when they're all like, oh, that means Age of Apocalypse is the movie. And it's like, I, as, okay, I am a huge fan of Age of Apocalypse. It's probably my favorite X-Men story of all time. Okay. Um, it's not going to get adapted. I really I really don't think it will. I mean, I'll be happy if it does, but I I don't think it will. I think I think it'll just be a standard apocalypse story, which I'm fine with. I mean, I would love for them to set up some kind of Age of Apocalypse thing at the end of Days of Future Past, but I feel like that movie, Days of Future Past, covers the idea that the X-Men deal with time travel a lot, and it does it with probably the most easy-to-understand time travel story of the X-Men, I don't know that general audiences are going to go for something as extreme as Age of Apocalypse. It's it's crazy, man. I had a dream, <laughs> and I'm not even making this up. I had a dream like three nights ago about Insaba Noor. I, I don't know why. <laughs> I just I thought about that character name in my dreams. And I had been thinking because of the the rumored crossover that was coming for um, for Jason Aaron's, I don't know if it's his X-Men run or his Thor run at this point, and Rick Remender's Uncanny Avengers. There was gonna it's be a, Thor, isn't it? Well, yeah, he's got, it could be Thor that's crossing over with Uncanny Avengers, but it could also be Amazing X-Men, I don't know. Um, crossing over with Uncanny Avengers in an apocalypse story. And I think it's interesting because, you know, we just got done with a Thanos story. Thanos is going to be showing up in Avengers, so this is like a trade paperback people can go pick up, you know, when the Avengers movie comes out. Uh, or Guardians of the Galaxy, excuse me. Um, and you got Age of Ultron is a book people can pick up for the Avengers movie. And so now I feel like they're ramping up to a – I knew they were ramping up to an apocalypse story. And here we are. Apocalypse is coming in a damn movie soon. Uh, so I don't know. I – I don't like that character <laughs> at all. Really? No, I think the concept is really stupid. Um, this idea of the first mutant—he's this immortal thing. I don't know. Like, I liked—I liked how Uncanny X Force handled it uh, more so than I like how he like traditionally appears. Age of Apocalypse is not a book I remember well. Like, I know the concept of it, and the idea of Age of Apocalypse is interesting to me. It would especially be interesting if we had an Age of Ultron story that was sort of close to the book, where there's like a, a future being run by Ultron, and then a year later we get this other Marvel story about the future being run by Apocalypse. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know if anything like that's going to actually occur. But I do like how in the X-Men world, there's no way the future's ever good. Like in Uncanny X-Force... <laughs> They get rid of Apocalypse, and he's replaced with Deathlock, you know? And uh, you know, if you don't have Deathlock, you've got Sentinels. If you don't have Sentinels, you got something else. It's always bad, no matter what you do. So, 
I am you know somewhat cautiously interested, but I'm also it's also making me wonder like what cast is going to be in the movie moving forward. Um, I mean, you've got the first class cast that's meeting with the original cast in this new film. I, I can't help but think they're probably going to replace the older actors like Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen, who are just far too you know advanced in years to play their parts. So Fassbender and Stewart will probably stick around. But do you think they'll mix up the cast, Shane? I I have no idea. It's it's all going to depend on what they decide to adapt. Um, and it's all going to depend on how Days of Future Past turns out, because I don't know if it's going to create a new X-Men timeline, correct the mistakes from the other one, or set up the mistake-ridden X-Men timeline we already have. It's I, I, I really don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's really hard to say, but I, I, I tend to hope that you're right, Kyle, that they kind of phase out the the characters from the original Brian Singer movies. and, and Well, we all know one movies. person who's not letting go of their role. Well, right. Well, he deserves it, honestly. I think he he's the best of them by far. But if I have to see Halle Berry as Storm or uh, God, who else? I don't like anybody else in the X-Men cast the uh, from the original three yeah, I'm a fan of Ellen Page, but uh, not necessarily... Oh, what, her three lines yeah. in that movie? <laughs> yeah, I mean, not for her acting as Kitty Pride, just because I like Ellen Page. Um, sure. I don't know. Uh, so, I, with the X-Force movie that's coming, too, it sounds like there's going to be an interesting, like... like like you want them to adapt Age of Apocalypse, Shane, and Harper, you want them to adapt Uncanny X-Force. Maybe they're going to split the middle a little bit. Um, I, I tend to believe Wolverine's going to show up in every single one of these fucking movies. So there's that. I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see how the, how they address all of this and where they go. And, and let's just be honest, Hugh Jackman's not exactly getting younger either. So are they going to keep him around for all of these movies? I mean, I'm sure he'd love for them to. Are you sure? Are you sure he doesn't want to do something else with his career? He keeps, he keeps saying he does not want to give up this role. Really? All right. Well, that's... I mean, damn, he's, he's he's pressing on 50, isn't he? I don't know how old he is at this point, but good Lord. I mean, there's, you can only be convincing as Wolverine for so long. And I love him in the role, but holy cow. Um, plus, I'm just, I don't know, I'm a little tired of Wolverine, too. It's just like another character that's just gotten overexposed in these films. But we'll see what happens. Uh, I would love for them to mix up the better parts of both casts a little bit. But I don't know how that's even going to be possible, frankly. Um, I'm just trying to avoid having Havoc show up anymore, really. That's my my issue. <laughs> um, anyway, so that is X-Men. So we covered like the big things this week in terms of the major three comic book slash movie studios. It'll be interesting to see if Marvel turns around and produces some news tomorrow to keep up. But I'm willing to bet they're going to wait till next week since they're still sort of kings of the hill. Um, my prediction will be their next news announcement will probably be Ant-Man casting. And, God, I hope so. Um, I bet it might be that Paul Rudd announcement that they've sort of been holding close to their chest. It took them. It's weird with Marvel because they announced they they announced the the Elizabeth Olsen and Aaron Johnson. Um, news about Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch months after we all knew it was happening. So it's sort of like they don't have the best secret keeping uh, over at Marvel Studios. So it, I'll be I'll be I'll be curious to see if this Ant-Man thing is coming, but hopefully that that's going to be very soon since it's a 2015 film. Um a couple of other small bits that came out over the this past week. We got a new trailer for 300 Rise of an Empire. 
Um, very fascinating looking film, uh, which is maybe <laughs> the kindest thing I can say. Uh, I don't know if we've ever gotten a prequel, interquel, sequel all in one movie before <laughs> that wasn't Back to the Future 2. Um, so I'm kind of interested from that side of things, but it's based on a graphic novel that never came out. Um, so that also was kind of interesting. Uh, Harper, were you a fan of 300 at all? Uh, it's okay. I, I saw it once. I never really felt the urge to see it again. What about you, Shane? I, I haven't seen the trailer and I'm really, I could not care less about this movie. Did you, did you not <laughs> like the first one? Uh, I'm fine with the first one. Um, just haven't seen it since I saw it in theaters and don't care if I ever see it again. Sure. I like the comic book a lot. Um, the movie I'm a little more lukewarm on. Um, I feel like there's some of those Frank Miller concepts that don't translate all that well to screen. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I thought Sin City worked well because it was just so stylistically close to mm-hmm. the to the uh, to the comic source material. But I felt like there was something a little off with 300. Um, not you know not the least of which being that horrible. Uh, disfigured character that I couldn't that I just thought completely dragged the movie down that guy's acting was dreadful but I don't know there's like that, that, that sort of heavy metal soundtrack and I don't know it was a little too much like uh, it was a little too much Zack Snyder for me you know what I mean mm-hmm. like there's there's a point where he goes overboard and that was one of them it was sort of like how he treated Watchmen too um, and I like and I like both of those movies fine but I don't love them you know what I mean so this 300 sequel Harper, do you, do you are you interested at all, or does it just look like a train wreck to you? It looks like a mess. Yeah. Um, well, and oh my god, watching the trailer, it looks like there's no there's no background except for just bright light in every scene. Everything's just like all washed out, and there's all this like it just looks like they put the sun behind everything all the time. It looks so bizarre. It looks like something. It's some extremely low-budget direct-to-DVD movie to me. Well, that's probably not far off from the truth. They pushed this thing back off into March, so that is that is like cinematic graveyard territory, February, January, March. So, um, And it's not Zack Snyder directing it, obviously. It's this other yeah. guy. So, uh, no, uh, no, like no Miro or something like that. Um, I, so I don't know what to make of it, man. I mean, there's a part of me that really... The part of me that loves Frank Miller, uh, not racist Frank Miller, but <laughs> racist crazy Frank Miller, but good, strong writing Frank Miller, the guy that wrote Sin City, the guy that wrote Batman Year One and Dark Knight Returns and Dark Knight. I, I even like Dark Knight Strikes Again a lot. Um, really? Yes, I love that book. I, love, I do too. I love that book. Um, like it, I like it as much as Dark Knight Returns in some ways. Um, sort of the Superman version of it, you know? Anyway... I, I love his art style, all that stuff. But um, so there's a part of me that's attracted to the idea of going to see a Frank Miller inspired film, uh, even, even since it's based off his story. Whatever story he produced, I have no idea at this point. So the Desertsy's book never actually came out. Um, so I'll probably go see it. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I will probably take Hannah's brother and we will go see this damn thing. Um, additionally, kind of weird news. They, the Weinstein company had announced that there was, they were working on television series, series in plural for both the mist, you know, the Stephen King book and sin city. So it's sort of tied into what we were just talking about. 
I have no idea how the hell they would do a Sin City television series at all, but uh, it seems like a bizarre notion, particularly since I thought that the books were pretty well adapted in the movies. Uh, Harper, what do you think, man? That's pretty bizarre. Um, Well, particularly because if they actually do three Sin City movies like they've been saying for half a decade, that, you know, they'll have used up the entire story, every book. (laughs) That's such a bizarre idea to me. What do you think, Shane? All right, sorry. Wait, 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 wait. Sin City t- television show, what do you think? Um, if it's on HBO. Right. Yeah, that's that's the thing. I mean, it. Like, I could see it maybe on FXX, you know, the new <laughs> FX channel, or HBO, or Showtime or something, but I, I can't imagine that there would be any other network that could take that. I can't imagine The Mist being a TV show. That's that's ridiculous. I, I, you know, it, it's that Walking Dead sort of, you know, people all grouped together in a, in a terrible situation. But The Mist is a novella. The Walking Dead's an ongoing comic book. I like, know. It uh, doesn't seem like there'd be much storytelling potential, but maybe they would discover what's inside The Mist. You know, I don't know. But the, uh, see, that would completely deform... Def- uh, get rid of the purpose of that book like that's uh but what if it was as good as under the dome you guys uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh he's all around what happened to under the dome is that still around yeah know, it's getting a second watching. season no fucking way that got a second season yeah uh, i i hate life I, uh, <laughs> that that sucks man I, I watched one episode of that and i was like goodbye i'm out i was so disappointed what a great team they had working on that with brian k vaughn and uh, I'm blanking on his name, but the guy that directed the original Girl with the Dragon Tattoo movie directed mm-hmm. the first couple episodes, and Stephen King. It's like uh, they really screwed the pooch on that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't know how the mist, how, how how the mist could become a television series at all. I think you're completely right, Shane. And Sin City, I guess they would just have to tell original stories at some point. They would have to start digging beyond the graphic novels, which kind of kills the interest for me. But yeah. If somebody can tell interesting stories out of it, uh, you know, I'm willing to give it a shot, I guess. As long as it's still the black and white sort of aesthetic. I mean, I, the last thing I want to see is them take away that look that uh, that Miller and uh, Rodriguez established. So, uh, one last bit of news on the adaptation front is a uh, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, their production team is taking over the long gestating adaptation for Warner Brothers for Sleeper. Um, I have read Sleeper. I actually finally finished it last week. Uh, It's one of my favorite Ed Brubaker books, I have to say. Harper or Shane, have you guys read this book before? I haven't yet. I've always wanted to. All right. Shane, that's it. No. Yeah, okay. Um, can I can I say that that is probably going to be one of the big fruitful things of this Ben Affleck as Batman deal, is that this sleeper movie could be kick ass. Imagine The Departed with superpowers. That is basically sleeper. Um, it's tremendous. The idea that um, this basically the setup is that the the Team Seven group, the leader of that, puts one of these guys that has superpowers into a villain organization and he works his way up and tries to get in good with this main villain named Tao. And then eventually he's trying to find his way out, but the guy that put him in there gets put in a coma. 
So he's stuck, and he's having to do all these things with no way out. And he starts, he starts questioning his ability to: Am I a hero? Am I a villain? He starts killing people, and he starts wondering at what point has he crossed the line in terms of his humanity. It is a fabulous, fabulous book, and I'm hoping a movie could really do great justice to it. And I think it would be a hell of a starring role for Matt Damon, actually, because he looks quite a bit like the character. Uh, so Sleeper, that is something I'm very excited about. Um, plus, more Ed Brubaker on screen. Not a bad thing at all. Totally. Uh, and two comic bits of news as well. So it was announced today there was going to be a Magneto solo comic. Who's excited? Mm-hmm. I am. Okay. Are you, are you reading X-Men pretty regularly at this point, Shane? I read amazing X-Men, but, I mean, I love Magneto. So, I mean, as long as there's not anything too confusing from whatever X-Men series he's in right now, I'm fine with it. Uh, what about you, Harper? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't read the the book that Magneto's in right now, though. So, I don't know. Magneto's been a very odd character the last couple of years. He's kind of yeah. been uh, sidelined a bit as just uh, the bad guy who became a good guy who now just sort of sulks around and <laughs> uses his power only when it's really convenient. Cullen Bunn's writing it. Um, I you know I don't have a, like a lot of familiarity with Cullen's work. Uh, I've read some of his cap. Was it Captain America and Bucky or something that he wrote? Um, the artist, though, uh, Gabriel Hernandez Walta, he uh, drew the last few issues, like the last six or seven issues of Astonishing X-Men. Oh, right on. His art's fantastic. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. It's probably not going to book I pick up because it's just not high on my list. But I do have a question, though. Is Magneto still a Holocaust survivor? I believe so. I would say that cover seems to imply it. Oh, they had he had his own solo book where they I'm trying to remember what it was called, but that they kind of covered that. Oh, did again. they? Okay. So like, how is he like still perpetually like 50? <laughs> I mean, I'm just yeah, curious. Magic. Yeah. Did was he? I, I think somebody explained to me once that he was like reborn as a baby at some point and grew up again. <laughs> sure, why not? I, I don't know. It's Marvel's compressed timeline makes things very difficult sometimes. Um, especially when you try to explain away Nick Fury and Magneto. Mm, that's the fun. Well, they're the ones that are intrinsically like tied to World War II. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, I guess they they've put Mag, uh, Nick Fury Senior underground at this point. So he, you may not ever see him again. Um, so that's news and uh, quite a few exciting bits and pieces. And now let's dig back into comics. It's been a long time since we've talked about it. Probably a good idea to sort of look at some of the things this week that came out and things that we're pretty excited about. So let me ask you, Harper, first, um, what were some highlights that you picked up this week that you were mainly excited about that you think people should buy? Uh, I talk about Swamp Thing all the time on the podcast, so I won't go on and on about it. But Swamp Thing was, again, really, really excellent this week. Um, Soul has really got into... Uh, what I think is going to be the kind of meat and potatoes of his story, which is about um, uh, what used to be the Floronic Man, Jason Woodrow, um, who's now was now called the Cedar, has beat Swamp Thing and taken over the role as the Avatar of the Green. And so Alec Holland is stuck, uh, stuck in the Parliament of Trees, kind of watching him wreak havoc with the new title. And it's, it's excellent, really, really well done. Nice. I, you know, I, I had a bunch of those issues in my hand to buy at uh, Oxford Comics the other day. And I thought, oh, I'm going to buy them. I'm going to buy them. And then I put them back down. <laughs> so I, I didn't do it. I don't know. I mean, I, I hear a lot of good things. I need to do it. I need to get back on that book. But I just 
haven't managed it. Maybe after I drop Avengers, uh, which is coming next week, I think, <laughs> after reading this piece of shit new Avengers book that I finally got, um, I will probably I will probably try to pick back up on Swamp Thing at some point. Well, you had, did you have any others that were highlights for you, Harper? Uh, yeah, I, I, probably as much or more. I really, really enjoyed Action Comics this week um, again. Uh, so I was really hoping that the that zero year tie-in wasn't just a fluke, and this issue was fantastic. Nice, nice. Yeah, that was. Uh, I I agree. I, I I popped open Action Comics with some with some hope that there would finally be a proper follow-up to the Grant Morrison run that I loved so dearly, and I feel like we might finally be at that point. It's not necessarily. It doesn't harken back to any of the plot points that occurred within Morrison's run, but it does, it does touch so, uh, as, as like a growth point. So it's like, you still have a slightly like immature Clark, but he's sort of growing into like the Superman character that people are wanting. And I think Aaron Cooter's art is just amazing. Uh, yeah, he's fantastic. He looks like Nick Patara from uh, Manhattan projects, but uh, you know, a little, just a little rougher. And I kind of like that for Superman, and he just he makes that costume work. I mean, I know a lot of people don't like the collar and the and the uh, no trunks and stuff, but Cooter really makes it appear pretty pretty nice. Um, so I'm I'm definitely a big fan of that book so far. Uh, Shane, uh, so far of the books you you've been able to read in your pile, <laughs> all three, all three um, or any of the ones you picked up. I mean, what what are you excited about? Um, I'm excited to read Action Comics just because I've heard it was so good, and I, uh, I, uh, I don't know if I've told y'all this. I have a graphic novel club I sponsor at my school where I have students reading different graphic novels, and like we were hanging out yesterday, waiting for some students to show up for the meeting, and I have my comics with me, and one of my students in that group is a real big Superman fan, so I had him read Action Comics just to see if he'd like it, and I was like, it's this guy's pretty much first issue of his run so that you don't have to worry about knowing anything. And he said it was really good. So I'm excited to read it. Cool. Um, I'm excited to read earth too. Uh, and Ferris and velvet, but out of what I've read, um, I, I enjoyed amazing X-Men because I think that was one of the funniest books I've read in a while. Um, amazing X-Men was really good. And I think, uh, guardians of the galaxy's art was just beautiful. That was Frank Avia this week, right? It was. Nice. Oh yeah. I heard his version of Angela actually like makes the character not look ridiculous. Pretty much, yeah. That's awesome. Um, so wait, who's on the Amazing X Men lineup at this point? Uh, it's pretty much everybody from uh, Astonishing X Men, and then a few extras. So you have Storm, Iceman, Firestar, Wolverine, Northstar, and then they've shown a few others. Um, Warbird and uh, Angel have shown up. They showed up in the first issue, but they weren't in this issue. Gotcha, gotcha. So it's it's kind of like picking back up from the Astonishing X-Men thread. That's what it felt like to me. It's like these characters got left to their own devices after that series got canceled, and luckily Jason Aaron took a bunch of them. Right. I mean, Ice, Iceman's got, like, nothing going on, so... Yeah, he was on Astonishing X-Men. That's what he had going for him. <laughs> yeah, it's like his one, his one plot mover. Um, you know, I, I, I did read Earth 2, and Earth 2... It's interesting to me how that book has changed under Tom Taylor versus James Robinson, where with James Robinson, I liked the book a lot, but it, God, it was wordy, man. I mean, mm -hmm. it was like a really exhausting read, and I felt like it sort of sucked away from some of the action. Tom Taylor's the exact opposite, where it's like <laughs> a lot of action and not a lot of words. Well, at least in his defense, uh, Robinson did kind of leave him on a cliffhanger with a lot of action to show. True. 
Absolutely. And so far, it, it's working for me. I, I know, Harper, you're not as big a fan, I think. I dropped it. Yeah, like you weren't into that first issue. but I remember that, yeah. I, I, I kind of dug what uh, what's happening in this book. I'm not going to say anything so not to spoil it for you, Shane. But I found it a very exciting read. I don't know. I mean, but honestly... I like that Injustice comic Tom Taylor was writing, too. So I guess he just somehow speaks to the type of comic reading I like, which is big on reveals and, you know, has like a lot of, you know who your bad guys are, you know who your good guys are. It's a little hardcore and I don't know. It just works for me. But I read that. I read Action. Um, I tried to read Superman, Batman. I think I'm dropping the fuck out of that title. Is it the art? Is it Brett Booth? It's not just the art. It's no, the writing's worse than the Cause art. Because I, I saw that cover and I was like, oh god. Um, yeah, I changed. I mean, Harper's right. It's like it. It isn't just the art. It, the writing is a mess, and mm-hmm. it's weird because it's the same guy that wrote Action. <laughs> yeah. So well, well, it's the same guy who wrote the first arc. <laughs> what was that, Harper? Well, you know, I I thought the first arc was really interesting, but it confused the shit out of me, and this is even worse somehow. With with only one version of Superman and Batman, but we get because I just I have no idea what's going on with this whole like virtual reality video game thing. And Batman gets killed and comes back as like a killer robot. Oh my god, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't like Mongol very much. I feel like he's only been written well in like maybe two story arcs. Sure. One of which being written by Alan Moore, which is you know that's hard not to be written well by him. But. I I just I, this book's a mess and like the narrators being these video game players like Jimmy Olsen mm-hmm. and stuff I, it's just like oh this sucks the widescreen approach is not a bad idea um, I do I still feel like it's a little bit of a ripoff uh, I feel like you get less story for you know the number of pages generally but um, it's just there's just a, it's just it's like a totally different writer is writing this book than the guy that just that wrote this phenomenal issue of Action Comics. And I think Action Comics is probably where I'm going to get my Superman fix. Though I, I have been enjoying Superman Wonder Woman a good deal, but that's because it's written by somebody else. So uh, I'll probably, what I'll do is I'll drop Batman Superman and just pick it up whenever Jay Lee is on art and hope that maybe that story will get better. Because i got to tell you, there ain't no way in hell I'm reading this world's finest crossover with Batman Superman. That is not happening. Hmm. Um, and then I, I've read a few other things. I read Green Lantern. I'm caught up on that. I'm kind of over that book. Uh, I, it's weird. I feel like there's no character I'm more over right now than Green Lantern. And I may switch that up for Green Lantern Core to read John Stewart's story instead of Hal Jordan's because I just think Hal Jordan is so boring right now. Um, and that Lights Out crossover didn't do much for me either. Um, and so, yeah, anyway, that was, that's pretty much like most of the main stuff that I read through. I probably read a few other things, but I was interested in this, by the way, guys, I saw, I saw your review, Shane, of Infinity, Mm -hmm. and I, you seemed to, to really like that ending, didn't you? Um, there are things I liked about it. I was mostly disappointed that it, uh, was pretty much just a setup for not only Inhumanity, but whatever else is coming after Inhumanity. That's why I like New Avengers a lot better. I felt like New Avengers gave it a better epilogue than what epilogue we got in number six. I agree with that. Harper, did you ever end up finishing Infinity? Hell no. Ah, okay. First event I've ever not I've ever started and didn't finish. Uh, that's I, I was really tempted to drop out by about issue five, but I didn't do it. I finished it. I regretted it. 
I, I read that six issue, and literally my favorite comparison was Infinity feels like the prologue to Lord of the Rings, but about 300 pages long, uh, mm-hmm. where it's just all narration and no character, man. Like, I did like that new Avengers issue a lot better, though, Shane. I liked the idea of a bigger looming threat, but it yes. just sounds like it's going to be another crossover that's coming. And uh, you know when the black techno priests or whatever the hell they're called show up, um, so I don't know, man. Like at, Jonathan Hickman's Marvel output is really just a bummer for me at this point. And it looks like with Matt Fraction taking over, it could potentially be more interesting on the big like um, side of things. Not, not if it's like his Fantastic Four run, it won't be. That's true, but his Hawkeye book's terrific. So it's it's kind of a, a if or proposition. I mean, I don't know. I don't know which Matt Fraction is going to show up for this Inhumanity, Inhuman stuff. I, I have Inhuman on my pull. I'm hoping it'll be good. Um, I don't think big-scale storytelling is his strong suit, but we'll see. I'm also kind of pissed that that's the book that caused him to get off FF and is making Hawkeye so damn late all the time. So uh, that's part of the reason why I didn't pick up Inhumanity this week. Um, so anyhow... That, that's kind of our look at what we've been excited about this week and our, and what things that we've been looking forward to. So, guys, let me ask you this. Is there anything you're looking forward to mostly next week and in this weekend as we're building up towards the Christmas holiday? All right. Uh, I've got a definitely most anticipated comic I'm looking forward to is Superman Wonder Woman number three. That number two issue was fantastic, and I just adore Tony S. Daniels' art. Um, Lazarus comes back this week, and then also Krampus, number one. I'm really excited for that one. What is that? Krampus is a uh, German folklore character who, uh, instead of giving children presents on Christmas, uh, he puts children he puts naughty children in a sack and beats them with a stick. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. I, I'm excited for that, and I, I guess I'm excited. I think my students are going to drag me to it, but I, I guess I'm excited for that two-and-a-half-hour nap I'm going to have with The Hobbit. Wow, cool. Well, that's, uh, um, that's something, <laughs> The Hobbit. That's all I can say <laughs> I, about I that. I think that's what all I'm going to be able to say after it, too. It's like, well, that was that was a movie, all right. Well, yeah, I, I'll be seeing it on Tuesday, hopefully uh, pretty early, and I'll probably have a review up by Wednesday on geekrex.com. So that's something to look forward to, uh, maybe, provided it's going to be a good review. That is a movie that has not aged well for me, even though I didn't mind the first one as much. Um, I will say on my side of things, um, (laughs) I'm really excited about Batman 26. So Scott Snyder's Zero Year is my favorite crossover of the year so far. Yeah, and I'm really I'm love I'm loving all the one shot stories. None of them are essential to understanding what's going on. I mean, you can just keep reading Batman 26, but it's fun to read this sort of year one era Catwoman story that John Layman's writing, or um, you know what John Stewart's up to, or what Barry Allen was up to in Gotham City. And some of the reasonings for them being there is a little iffy, but I I really have enjoyed the plot thus far, and I really really like Zero Year a lot. On the other hand, uh, so beyond being excited about Batman 26, I'm also kind of interested in Justice League 25. Um, And then on the Marvel side, you know, there's just not a lot that I'm really stoked about, to be honest. I am probably going to at least give Avengers 24 now a shot. 
but I'm probably going to say that's going to be my last issue of Avengers, most likely. I can't imagine I'm going to pick up, pick up too much else, though. That's probably going to be where things stop. And for Image, Lazarus, and that's and Satellite Sam. So that's oh, yeah. Um, did you read uh, Manifest Destiny, the first issue of that? No, I didn't. It's really good. Okay. Who, who, who's the writer on that? I don't remember, but it's about Lewis and Clark searching for how their real quest going out west was to search for monsters. Oh, okay. So it's sort of a Manhattan Project's version of yeah. of, of Lewis and Clark. That's kind of cool. I don't know who this writer is, Chris Dignis, but I'll have to I might have to check that out if it's if it's pretty good. The art's nice. Oh, I I like good art. Harper, what are you looking forward to, man? Uh Lazarus and Batman sound exciting, but um Justice League 3000 coming out next week is pretty cool. Oh uh, shit, I, I forgot about that. Yeah, I'd love uh, future future versions of the Justice League. Uh, DC One Million is the bomb, so I'm pretty excited about that. Um, and then uh, also on on the non uh, single issue side of things, the new Parker book comes out this week. Oh, it looks like Slake which I'm, Yeah, I'm not caught up, but I love that series. I've read the first two at this point, and I am absolutely in love with them so i can't wait to pick it up very nice very nice i'm i'm also going to the movies i'm gonna go see out of the furnace this weekend which is the new christian bale casey affleck film uh that has gotten uh lukewarm reviews so far so we'll see what happens if i enjoy that or not uh as we wait for inside lewin davis to finally come out to atlanta which my brother has already seen yeah did he like it or did he not uh he loved it oh good that's exciting i i I really want to see that and i understand that uh i will be probably like i said i'll probably be seeing the hobbit and then you know hopefully sometime soon we'll i'll be catching something else that, uh, you know, maybe something like The Wolf of Wall Street before Christmas. We'll see. Atlanta and its release dates are just the worst. Um, but, you know, it could be worse. I could be in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Shane. <laughs> 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 I know, man. You'll, you'll see some of these movies eventually, man. I know it. <laughs> maybe by January you'll get some. Anyhow, I think we'll probably wrap it up here. Guys, I appreciate it. It's fun talking comics. We'll do it again soon. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit about some of our favorites of the year, which is very cool and exciting. And uh, that'll be something to look forward to. So be, be on the lookout for an extra special edition of the Geek Rex podcast. This is episode 31. Thanks so much, guys. See you later. <laughs>